You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast, PrideofDetroit.com, at Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. My cadence is going up and up. You know where to find us. Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast, is where you want to go. If you want to hear about the Detroit Lions of the NFL, it's what you're listening to right now, and you're listening to me, your adequate host, Chris Perfett, at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. One word, that's all you need to know. I'm over there. I am the editor. I am one of the editors at Pride of Detroit. I am the podcast guy, the host, the producer, the guru. And I'm here with a very empty studio right now because Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, is flying home from Florida where he was with family. And now he's heading back to the great state of Michigan. Ryan Matthews, the rock god, no, not here either. He is out uh, doing things. And so instead, we are once again pulling from our diverse pool of pride of Detroiters. We have quite a few of them these days. And joining me on the eve of some exams, I will say. So all props to him. Hamza Bakush. How you doing, man? Good. Hi, Mom. I promise I'm studying. He is studying. He's studying. We made sure this is not going to be a long one because, again, it's just two of us and Hamza has to study. But first, before we begin, we update with uh, some un- some news people might not have known. Hamza has been on the pod- POD cast before, but after his first POD cast recording, we found out he was censored by Twitter. That- that's a bit of a stretch, but he was banned from Twitter because he signed up originally underaged or something, or like yeah. Like he- so I made my yeah. Twitter apparently before I was thirteen, but um, I don't have any content on there from before I was eighteen. But for the last four months or so, since the first week of August, it- it's been suspended because they're trying to delete all my content from before I was 13. So um, I got an update today and they just apologized for taking their time. And they said, hopefully we'll be back up soon. So uh, I'm excited. I miss Lions Twitter. I'm excited for round two of draft Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'll keep the POD fan base. Hashtag, hashtag free Hamza. Hashtag free, free Hamza. Hamza. Free Hamza. Speaking of draft Twitter, that season is coming very, very close. And I've, ma- I've even made a couple memes ready for draft season that I need to share with you mm-hmm. after this. But as I said, draft season is fast approaching. It's approaching faster for the Detroit Lions, who fell to the Buffalo Bills 14 to 13 in a game, Hamza, that, I mean, even Jeremy, the eternal optimist, was throwing in the towel on this one. Yeah, I'm a sucker for, um, you know, the the typical Lions where week 14, week 15, where we are right now, um, we're on the fringe of the playoff. And the Lions fan base, we feed off of hope. And that's something that we had this year as well. The the dream of the playoffs was still alive. And, 
you know, I think we got a little caught up with we have to win out. This person has to lose. That team has to lose. Um, but you got to take care of business if you're the Lions. And, I mean, a lot of people were looking forward to the Vikings and playing in Lambeau. But, I mean, if you don't win against Buffalo, you, you don't have a shot. And it's it's Buffalo of all teams. I mean, this run defense has been stout. I mean, the past five weeks entering Sunday, they were third in the league in uh, yards per game and yards per carry allowed. But they couldn't get the job done today or Sunday. I mean, Josh Allen, of all people, tore you apart. Um, I thought he was actually pretty accurate for Josh Allen, but that was also um, in part thanks to the Lions pass rush not producing how they usually do today. I thought they had some really good pass protection on the part of the Buffalo O-line. I was really disappointed in that because I really thought we'd come away with this win. Yeah, like I... I I'm with you on that. I thought the playoff talk was a lot of, it was lottery. It was lottery talk just because I, mm-hmm. I've been saying before too, like it's so funny to me that the NFC is so bottom heavy, top heavy that the lions could have potentially snuck into the playoffs, but that's all over. And as you said, yeah, you got to take care of Buffalo and the lions did not take care of Buffalo. And I don't know what else to say about that. I, I talked to some Buffalo people coming into the game and they all kind of praised Josh Allen. They had been saying Josh Allen was getting better. Josh Allen was making more accurate throws. He was running with his feet. But and I mean, true to form, the Lions defense on the ground played their part. They stopped Josh Allen on the ground. They did not, you know, historically it's always been problems with, you know, the Aaron Rodgers of the world. Anyone who can beat you with their legs, the Lions have kind of scratched their heads a bit. They didn't have problems with that. Josh Allen Tuck and ran about like nine times here. He 16 yards. And I mean, one of those for, for a touchdown, obviously he got one of the Buffalo's two touchdowns in this game. But by and large, you hold you hold Buffalo on the ground to 117. But then but then Robert Foster is just gashing you for receptions for 108 yards. And Josh Allen can do whatever he wants in the air. So once again, this is a really peculiar day for Detroit, mostly because once again, I I mean, at this point, we just have to say it. The secondary needs help. I I didn't think that was going to be a thing for a long time. I'm like, you know what? They'll turn it around. They'll get it figured out eventually. This is the Lions defensive backs. They've been solid for a long time and just hasn't been the case. And and yeah, we're talking about the defense now because Hamza, as I'm sure you want to get into the offense, it's coming up here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, before we get to that, though, I sh- I think I should add a little bit. Um, I mentioned this in the in the Slack chat today, but the um, secondary there were struggles all around, and I think a big thing that was overlooked. A lot of people want to blame Mike Ford for his performance. Obviously, he gave up that um, touchdown on the on the play action, the crossing route that they ran. They ran a lot of those routes, and I don't think that's entirely on Mike Ford. That's just a really hard route to defend. But on top of that, if you look at that play, when Ford is trying to catch up to the receiver and the ball's in the air, Slay is face planted into the ground at the 10 yard line. There's no mm-hmm. one within 10 yards of his man. And that's just something that, I mean, it, and Slay had some bad holding calls too. And everyone wants to blame Mike Ford and pin a scapegoat on this game and on the defense and special teams and whatnot. But I mean, there were faults all around and it seemed like in yesterday's game, uh, if one thing wasn't going wrong, something else was. And I think that was a, a very common theme. And you talked yeah, about I'm also not, the, I'm not, sure. Um, I'm not no, even sure. Ahead. Like, yeah, I was going to say, like, Mike Ford's like an undrafted rookie, too. Like, how much blame right. can you really, like, I mean, I get it. He had some, he had some bad play in this game, but like, that's kind of like, there, there's, we're not expecting a ton out of Mike Ford, you know? Quarterback exactly. takes time to grow into. He's outperformed very well, I think, for an undrafted rookie. But yeah, like, I, uh, 
like you, you should expect some more from the veterans there too. Right. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. And I think in the big scheme of things, I mean, if this were a team like, I don't know, like the Rams, when they put up 33 points, Mike Ford's one touchdown wouldn't have been viewed as such a game changer. And I mean, if you look at the rest of his snaps, I thought he held up fairly well. Obviously there is that PI and stuff and Ford's got speed and athleticism. He got caught up here and there, but I thought as a whole, he, he fared pretty well, especially again, like you said, um, for an undrafted rookie and um, there are other expectations on more seasoned veterans in there to, to do their job. But I think we're just getting caught up in the fact that this was a 14, 13 loss. It was a game of inches like most football games are and one touchdown in a game where the team beat you by one point is going to get scrutinized. And so, I mean, it, it just gets messy there. Yeah. I think we'll retouch on Mike Ford in the next segment. We're going to hone in a couple of players who I think have gotten we were talking about this before, like undue criticism or undue attention from this game. Some of it valid, some of it not. And I think this game has kind of unearthed a lot of frustrations with this team, especially just in the, like, again, because it's Buffalo. You you don't expect ever when you're the Detroit Lions to, maybe that's how the Detroit Lions have come. You're, you're sitting out here saying, we lost to Buffalo. We should not lose to Buffalo. Right. Yeah, but, that was something we were getting in the third quarter. And um, I don't... It, it just felt like the, the tides had turned, obviously, with the way the game started. And I wrote about mm-hmm. this in Unsung Hero of the Week um, for this week, Andy Jones. He he really gave the Lions a good momentum swing. When he caught his first touchdown, you could tell the O-line, even the entire sideline, they were really happy for him. Then the next play, you find him speeding down on the kickoff unit coverage, tackles the return man at the 15. I mean, he really set the tide there, set the tone there, and, and turned the tides, really set a, a tone of some tenacity and intensity for the rest of the game. But, I mean, you get to, like, halfway through the third quarter, and you can tell that the momentum is gone. And I remember towards the end of that third quarter, they converted on a third down or something, um, the Bills, and I sent a message to the group chat. I said, we're really going to lose to the Bills, aren't we? And I said that as a joke, but, I mean, there was just something in the air. You could tell the Lions weren't playing with the same energy they were before, and I think that was something you could see on the field. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's been a dread problem for this entire team this entire year, too. People, like, you can, I know Jeremy does not, He, he sorry, there goes my phone. Um, <laughs> Jeremy would not like you talking about momentum i'm sure because he will hear get here and start talking about how it's not real but there has definitely been moments for this team where it just feels like the game plan goes awry or adjustments aren't made or something something keeps happening where this team just seems to just forget who it is for a different part of the game and i get it like you know the cardinals win was 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 just ugly but it was solid and it was a good turnaround but this is again who the Lions have been in several games now. It just it 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 it's really weird. Like their identities always seems to be playing down to whoever their opponent is. And yeah. I mean, I gave a lot of praise to Josh Allen, but I don't expect Buffalo to be a world beater. And the Lions, that the Lions were going to do better than Buffalo. That's all. That that's what it is right. at the end of the day. <laughs> like and yeah, yeah as, you, as you alluded to. to Oh, yeah, sorry. yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was, so, I was just going to say, like, touched on earlier, you talked about how the Lions were getting, um, you know, run all over by these quarterbacks. Historically, they had lots of problems with that. Mm-hmm. If you look at this season, actually, I mean, with Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers, I think those were within the span of a couple weeks. Um, they Matt Patricia employed a contain scheme that really you don't see in the NFL much, which I mean, you have all these running quarterbacks now, but a contain scheme because it's a double edged sword. You you contain the quarterback, but at the same time, you're not rushing the passer. So right. like you saw Aaron Rodgers, he had all day to throw. And what that banks on is it banks on the quarterback missing a throw here, here or there. It's the bend, but don't break mentality. And that's something that 
obviously worked against Cam Newton, one of the streakier quarterbacks in the league, but good when he's good. And Aaron Rodgers, who we know is having it down here. But ironically enough, Josh Allen, of all people, tore the lines apart and dropped a bunch of dimes on the defense when they weren't getting to the quarterback. Do you think now I, I like I like that. I like that take a lot just because like there, there's definitely been something different because as 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 I said, going into the year, we all thought Lions secondary was a strength for this team. Do you think do you think that's kind of relying on contain has kind of weakened that secondary or is that more of a factor of the secondary probably just doesn't have the same talent that it used to have around it? Oh, absolutely. And you look at, I think it was the Packers game, actually, where they were in the contain scheme, but they still got quite a few sacks, especially around the second, third quarter. And the commentators in that game, they were going over the film after each play, and they were dubbing them coverage sacks. And that's a common term you see when when the coverage holds up. I mean, no coverage should have to sit there for four, five, six seconds. I mean, the average release time in the NFL is like 2.2, 2.3 seconds after the snap. And I mean, for the coverage unit to stay covered blanketed on everyone four or five, six seconds is ridiculous. And you're expected to get sacks then, but you saw Josh and Josh Allen yesterday or Sunday. I mean, he, that is yesterday. All right. He regularly had um, several seconds, four or five seconds to throw. And you saw most of them were pretty deep routes. That speaks to how much time he had to throw. And a lot of times he was untouched. Even the, the touchdown that Mike Ford gave up, you saw Snacks Harrison was stumbling towards him. But aside from that, I mean, it was a brick wall that Bill's O-line, and that's just not something you can do. I understand later in the game you saw Jared Davis was very clearly in a spy situation waiting on on Josh Allen, and he whiffed on that um, spy contain when Allen ran for the touchdown. But if you're keeping Jared Davis in a spy, then you don't need the, the edge rushers to be in contain. You send them after the quarterback, and it seemed like – I don't know if it was just the edge rushers not getting pressure or Matt Patricia being boneheaded, but it seemed like he employed both of those. And that's just a lethal combination to, I mean, negate your edge rushers and then take a man out of coverage and put him watching the quarterback. It just seems silly. But I think some people would also say too, and I'm curious how you think about this. The Lions do not have strong edge rushers. So wouldn't it make sense to really go contain a lot more if you know you're just not going to get home to the quarterback or do you really lose something by losing? Oh, yeah, not by any means. I, I think that the contain was was a good strategy by Patricia because, I mean, a guy like the like Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen, once they get going, they're going. I mean, we even we played Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Mitch Trubisky, um, Cam Newton. I mean, you name it. And I think the contain was a smart move by Patricia. It's a double-edged sword, but you outweigh how bad the secondary is versus how bad the pass rush is this year. And I think that the pass rush is definitely weaker. I mean, you're using guys you signed off the street – um, to rush the passer. I mean, your number one defensive end right now is Romeo Aquara, who the Giants cut before the season. I mean, right. that, that speaks to the, the lack of talent there. And I think Patricia's maximized it, but I think that the contain scheme is the right move because you have guys like Slay, you have Glover Quinn, who's visibly slowed down this year. Um, and Mike Ford has stepped up, obviously. Um, it just seems like the linebackers are the biggest dependent uh, factor in the defense and we talk about good Jared Davis and bad Jared Davis all the time when the linebackers him and J- Christian Jones are communicating and they're good in coverage you see the coverage hold up and you see those coverage sacks and you see the contained scheme work out and even in tight windows quarterbacks miss on those throws but when that all falls apart then 
obviously hindsight is 2020, but that contained scheme doesn't work. And so my thing, what I was saying before is I think it was really boneheaded by Matt Patricia to employ that contained scheme and then put Jared Davis in a spy situation as well. Because when you put the linebacker in a spy situation, he's sitting there like he's in his own coverage in the middle of the field, but all he's doing is watching the quarterback, making sure he doesn't take off. And if you see the Josh Allen touchdown, the rushing touchdown, Jared Davis comes in like a heat-seeking missile, but he just whiffs completely on the tackle, as we've seen him do. I mean, as, as he does it time to time, but it co- it costs you. And when you have Jared Davis in the spy situation, you're already negating the threat of a run. So you don't need to put the contain from the ends. You rush the ends and you try to get to the quarterback. So what I'm saying here is if you have the ends in your contain, then by putting Jared Davis in spy, you're eliminating Jared Davis from what could be coverage. So that's one less man coverage, and that makes a difference in a game of seven-on-seven in coverage. We will going to take a break right here. This has been good stuff on the container. I love it. Uh, We're going to take a break right here, and I think next segment we're going to focus, we're going to shift our focus from this to the offense in this game and talk a little bit about one particular kicker who's getting a lot of flack because of missing a potentially game-winning field goal. Uh, we will be right back here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. And after that, take some questions here. POD cast said it already. And we're back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Talked a lot of good stuff in the first segment there with Hamza Bakush. Pride of Detroit here with us to help fill me in for a lot of absences this week. Uh, Hamza, before we get into the offense, though, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, what happened, because a lot of people are really mad with Matt Prater today. And I think we got to set the record straight on that, because first, let's let's bring up the extra point. Um, that wasn't his fault. Yeah, that he didn't even get a chance to kick it. That's just we're throwing that out the window right now. That's not on Matt Prater by any means. Yeah, sorry, I was taking a sip there of a tasty beverage to keep myself in this game. Um, that was, I, I don't know if Prater just didn't get it set or if it was a bad snap. Either way, it seemed to break down almost before Prater could even get a, a touch on it. So, yeah. But then, and that's something that I think is worth a second look as well because I don't know if you recall, but it seems like Sam Martin a couple times this year has had trouble with the snaps and it's getting to the point where it's concerning. I mean, he, he's struggling holding the ball, he's struggling punting the ball. What can he do? <laughs> well, I'm, then it comes to the thing where I know some people are really getting on Prater for missing the field goal, which I, I'll, I'll let you know that pray that that field goal at the end would have given the Lions lead. Probably, I mean, granted though, like the Bills were driving to end the game, but who knows where it right. goes if he had nailed the if he had nailed the forty uh, eight yarder. It was just wide right. Um, I don't know what what does really say about it, but I will say like. I, I don't know. I think some people in Detroit are kind of done with Prater, and I think that would be a bit of a mistake. Uh, first off, I, I mean, but on the same hand, I know Jer- I was talking with Jeremy about this, and Prater is getting up there in age. I think he's like, what, 35, 36? And 34, I think. But 34. I, I think Jeremy made some good points today, yeah. Yeah, no, so I don't even remember half of them. I, it feels I, like I mean, service to talk about Slack stuff on a podcast. Yeah, generally, the point was, I mean, it seems like his leg is, is decreasing in power. And that's by no means a knock on Prater. I mean, the man still hit. Yeah. He, he clears 52-53 with yards to spare. But, yeah, on average. I mean, not yeah. the 64-yard leg he once was. And that was 
Um, you can tell. I mean, it seemed like even last year, um, Caldwell was hesitant to trot him out later in the season for like, you know, 57, 58, where that usually was something that he went out for. And then um, this year, I mean, we haven't seen him go out very far. I think we've seen 55, maybe below 50s, but nothing beyond that. And that's very unprater like of him. Yeah, but at the same time, too, like it's 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 one of those things. And the call for a kicker's job is always the lo- loudest after a missed field goal. Oh, like, yeah. God forbid how many people were kind of bagging on Mike on Mason Crosby after he yeah. played the Lions. Right. Like, so I, I don't think by any means he's done. I don't I, 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 I'm sure we're going to have a question asking if the Lions should draft a kicker. I don't know. Think they need to. Maybe you want to think about the future, but it's definitely not a need right now. Mm-hmm. I think he's still. I, I totally think he's still Yeah, and I think there was a point made in the in the group chat earlier about how maybe not draft a kicker, but bring someone in who's serious contention. Every year you see guys brought in just as a camp leg to keep the kicker fresh, but I think that it is time you bring in a a good boot and see how they fare. And I mean, that's I I love Prater. I mean, I I was in middle school, a huge fan of him in Denver, but I mean, you have to face the the facts. And I mean, by no means, like if, if he's a better kicker, keep him, but um, you just have to acknowledge the fact that he's got, I'd say probably no more than like three years left. If, if things go well for him, right. uh, by the way, his leg is looking, but I mean, in terms of accuracy, he's one of the best there is. This was the first fourth, fourth quarter field goal he missed since 2015 against the saints. And I mean, I think that's his first career, like go ahead field goal that he's missed so i yeah, mean that's like, no knock is, on him. It has nothing to do with yesterday's field goal but um there is something that you just have to keep in the back of your mind if you're bob quinn and the management here yeah i mean for me though it's it's like this is this is what we do though with kickers right it's probably the most thankless job in all of sports never mind football oh, absolutely. where it's like if you nail your field goals unless it is like no time left from the moon people just assume that's just you doing your job and God help mm-hmm. you if you fail. God help you if you fail multiple times. <laughs> like people want you on the streets the next day. It is unbelievably thankless. And that's why I'm sympathetic to Prater on this. Because like, yeah, you know what? No, no kicker in the world, no matter how good he is, not even Jason Hansen was 100%. And it's right. just, yeah, that's just what it is. But let's talk a little bit about the offense before we move on to... Oh, no. I mean, that that's where the crux of this game, I feel like, fell apart. And that's yeah. probably the most, like, I hate to do another podcast this late in the season when the Lions are 5-9, and nine, talking about this much on a recap of a game. But this is indicative, I think, of a lot of bad trends when it comes to the Detroit Lions. And a lot of that is that this offense, which was once incredibly versatile and once incredibly stocked, is just not even sure what it is doing out there on Sundays half the time. Yeah, and my thing is, I mean, at first last season, the Lions started to taper off on offense. There were calls for JBC's job. And at first I was a little bit thrown because it seems so recently that he took over and he was, you know, the the guy sent by God to save the Lions offense. And, and he seemed to do that job. But now, I mean, you look at him and what I'm struggling with is just trying to find where that disconnect is because I don't know where that is. We have a running game now. Everyone always says – give Stafford a running game, give Stafford protection. And he seems to have that better than he ever has before. I mean, it's not like we've lost major pieces. I mean, obviously Golden Tate. I'll get to that in a second. But Yeah, Kenny Galladay. I mean, I mean not Kenny Galladay. Carry on Johnson's out too, so that does put a damper on the run game. But yeah. 
Right, but even then, I mean, you saw the way that they ran on Sunday against Buffalo, and it was significantly better than they've been in years. I mean, if you take that one-game sample. And then the offensive line, not terrible. Stafford's obviously getting beat up. It's the number one defense in the league for a reason. But, I mean, you look at things like the loss of Eric Ebron. It's not like the Lions threw the tight end much anyways. Um, Marvin Jones on IR. You have Kenny Galladay now coming out of nowhere making catches that – I mean, hell, I don't know if Calvin Johnson comes down with some of those. By no yeah, means but I am think I the thing that. is, the thing is, and this is my reservation on Galladay, is that he's just not consistent in my mind. Right? Yeah. By no means is he a one number one wide receiver. I could see him being a number one B, like Marvin Jones was in his role last year, and that worked out really well. But I don't think he's a one A, and I think that's where it gets dangerous when you rely on him in that nature. But I'm just looking at a case like yesterday. Pass protection, considering they're playing Buffalo, not bad. I mean, running game, considering they're playing Buffalo, or even objectively, was pretty good, especially compared to years prior. Yeah, and let's let's get this straight, too. Let's get this straight, too, by Football Outsiders DVOA. Uh, the, pass, the pass defense is ranked third in, in, the, in the league for Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, in terms of yardage allowed, they're number one. It's ridiculous. And, I yeah. mean, Kenny Galladay is coming down with everything thrown his way. I mean, obviously, you don't have Golden Tate. And maybe that helps, I mean, in terms of quick strike situations. But that one man doesn't make or break your offense. And if he does, you have a problem. So in that regard, I'm really still struggling with finding out where this disconnect is between where the Lions were when JBC first came versus where they are now. And it's just something that I really want to know. Yeah, no, I I totally get that because I remember seeing those vibes after they kicked out, you know, Lombardi and it was like Jim Bob Cooter was the great savior. But I think that my problem, too, is, again, looking forward to this is that Kenny Galladay had a great day. I don't want to take that way. He almost had 150 yards on on seven receptions, caught nearly everything thrown his way. But we've seen when he does get covered very well, this like that is it. There's no one else. The next the next biggest receiving threat on the day against Buffalo was Levin Toy Lolo with 28 mm-hmm. yards. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's yeah, just no tough. one I else mean, right now. And I get it. Marvin Jones is hurt and he got nothing else, but I just, I don't like, it's, it's definitely not doing yourselves any favors, but you know, I'm totally there with you. Like Lions scored only in the second quarter and they just really did not put much on the ground. I mean, put much in yardage outside of that. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, obviously, People like LeGarrette Blunt or Andy Jones are not expected to save your offense. Levine Toilolo, as you mentioned. But at the end of the day, it's not like you're you're running with a bare cabinet. You have Kenny Galladay. You have Theo Riddick. I mean, it's my thing is I get it if this is one game or one sample size and you're struggling with the offense. But this is the Lions haven't eclipsed 20 points since I think it was like first week of November, the first time they played the Bears. And even then, that was the only time they've eclipsed 20 points since we played the Dolphins in week six. And that's really concerning because you're doing this over and over and over again. Even then, when you had um, all you, you had Marvin Jones, you had carry on Johnson and you can't put up over 20 points. I mean, that's just. At that point, it's on Jim Bob Cooter to to make something happen. Well, how much is Jim Bob Cooter? Because I I can't imagine him alone is the one deciding to, you know, commit to a run game well into the past past when it is necessary too. Like, there's definitely been some like he wasn't great. I think at the end of Caldwell's tenure, but this is definitely not Cooter's scheming that we've seen in the past too. So I mean, as we've said in previous podcasts too, I think some of some of Patricia deserves some blame on this, but I think I think it's becoming each day as it goes forward. 
I think some of us believed that Jim Bob Cooter would survive at least part of the offseason, maybe the offseason. But it's not looking like that's going to be the case now, especially as you say that the Lions have yet to eclipse 20 points in a very long it's been over a month, yeah. Yeah, I think you bring up a very good point there um, about the the commitment to to establishing the run game. That's something that very clearly Bob Quinn has built this team around and very clearly Matt Patricia wants to establish. And I definitely agree with you. If Jim Bob Cooter were calling plays with no um, subjectivity, I think that we definitely would not see that much of a lean on the run game. But there's very clearly an influence coming from Matt Patricia. Who knows? Maybe even Bob Quinn. But I think that Jim Bob Cooter right now where he's sitting, um, he's like Jim Caldwell all over again. As the writing was on the wall, just as when Jim, when Bob Quinn came in, Jim Caldwell's writing was on the wall. Unless some miracle happened, he was going to be out there sooner or later. And I think the same ordeal is happening with Jim Bob Cooter and Matt Patricia. Stafford got to keep his guy, but as soon as Patricia was there, the writing was on the wall. Jim Bob Cooter is going to be gone sooner or later, and Patricia is going to bring in his own guy to run his offense the way he wants to, with that said emphasis on the running game. And I think that's always going to be, that's going to be probably the biggest question going into the offseason about if there is a new offensive coordinator, how well is that going? Because it just, it's, it's turnover at that point, right? It's constantly, mm-hmm. it's going to be a new guy coming in, and again, questions of, okay, what's on the roster right now and how much that actually fits this guy's scheme? Because in the NFL, it doesn't seem like a lot of people like to make their schemes fit their personnel. It seems Mm -hmm. to always be the other way around. There's an arrogance in believing that you can just go out and get whoever you want. And for the the Lions, they've really left that cupboard a little bare. Again, Marvin Jones is still there. Kenny Galladay is still there. And Kerryon Johnson, of course, you've got on the ground. But you look at modern NFL offenses, man. Like they have more than just that. They have a lot of options when it comes to these things. And it just feels like there is going to be an offensive weapon need. I don't know if it comes in the draft or in free agency. I don't know what it is, but there definitely needs to be another option out there to really make this work with Stafford. But I guess it's all going to matter of who you get. Um, I should probably throw out an update because I know some Lions fans were talking about Cliff Kingsbury. He signed with uh, University of Southern California, USC, as their offensive coordinator here uh, in the last couple of days. I believe Monday, but don't quote me on that. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it, was definitely, it was definitely recent, though, but he was a big get for USC versus, like, I know the Rams had been talking to him as well, and he decided to go back to the college ranks. So that dream Yeah, and I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury was ever going to be in contention for the Lions. That, he's a guy who, no, I mean, if you look at, at his career, doing, at his point in the career, he would have probably come into the NFL probably as, like, a special assistant. But, like, he really right. hadn't had much on his resume besides working at Texas Tech. Yeah. And even on top of that, I mean, you look at what the lean has been, this this mysterious influence in the Lions um, offense. It's that that ground and pound run game, the dumping to the tight end, things of that nature, which I want to get to in a second, actually. And that's just not what Cliff Kingsbury is. Texas Tech does not ground and pound and dump to the tight end. They aerate it. Patrick Mahomes came out of Texas Tech for a reason. And that's not what Patricia is going to want if he even had the option of getting Kingsbury. Now, to add to that, I did want to mention earlier, we talked about the the mysterious force about bringing all this power running to the offense. And I want to point out that maybe it's not just the power running. I mean, you look at, they've really depended over the last six, seven weeks, since probably about week nine, on Levine Toilolo, not so much Luke Wilson for whatever reason. He's really been a disappointment this year. But that dumping off to tight ends who don't usually catch passes or aren't very good um, has really been a theme. And I think that's that's another 
um, another tell of, of what's going on here because at first running the ball was not working out and they stuck to it, even though it's, it wasn't working out. And I think if you're Jim Bob Cooter, you see that, you know, it hasn't worked in the past and you correct that, but there has to be something else going on here. So maybe that secret weapon you're talking about is a guy like a, a dynamic tight end. I mean, you look at the Patriots offense and I don't want to get into this whole Patriot way like we do with everything Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn do, but they have no name wide receivers and they really depend on the tight ends and um, that solid offensive line. And I think, Bob Quinn's put a lot of resources into the offensive line. They traded away Tate. That's a tell. And now they're getting ready to dump off to the tight ends, but they don't have a tight end. And the only thing I see that that convinces me otherwise is the getting rid of Eric Ebron at the beginning of the year. But that's a whole other situation in itself. Eric Ebron needed a change of scene, and it's very clear by his success in Indianapolis that he wasn't meant to be here. I don't think he needed a change of scene. I just think that the Lions didn't utilize him properly. But I also don't think in what you're talking about in the dump off to the tight end scheme, that there would be something to fit with Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron plays a lot more like a slot receiver at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So now you want to talk, is that all you want to talk about that tight end or did you have some? More yeah. Yeah. Idea? Okay. Um, so with this, this game in the book, we're going to get to mailbag in a second and just let that kind of carry, carry the day. But I just don't even know where the lions even go here right now. If, as I'm sitting here, they are seventh in draft order and we're going to be talking about the draft more and more soon i think there's kind of a resistance to do so but until the until the season ends but i mean you look at that performance on sunday and you're like okay as jeremy put he almost wants to just put uh (laughs) stafford in bubble wrap against the vikings and i don't yeah i don't yeah and the vikings look scary and i don't know what happens to the packers all i know is that it probably doesn't matter other than rivalry purposes so I mean, and I don't know how much more I can just keep sitting here and keep trying to wring out uh, insights from this team because I just I think with the with the offensive coordinator position in question, it kind of limits how much we can say we know about this team moving into the future. Mm-hmm. And I I think with a guy like Matt Patricia in charge, who um, he comes from New England, he's going to be quiet like Bill Belichick is. Um, you don't get a lot of insight into what's happening with this team. It's not, I mean, I get Jim Caldwell was a quiet guy, but there's something about um, Jim Caldwell was was direct with you. With Matt Patricia, everything seems to be a mystery. You don't even know what's going on in his head. So. Half the decisions he makes on the, on the field, I mean, you don't understand. And so that's something that um, we really, like you said, there's not a lot of insights to be made about this team because we have no idea what the heck is going on with this team. So, but Hamza, he cursed on the radio. Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh. He, he just yeah, showing well, you his fire there. Yeah, you know, saying, yeah, that's by all saying the, the word by saying the f by dropping an f bomb, one of the most common yeah, okay. words. I need to go on a quick tangent here before we change the subject. Yeah, so yeah. I meant to bring this up earlier. But you talked about how um, there's been like these swings of momentum in the game. And I know Jeremy doesn't like talking about momentum, but momentum is a very real thing. And you look at, I mean, the, the level headedness and I, no one seems to buy into this. An observation I had earlier this year is when you look at how the Lions have performed down the stretch, you saw their nine comeback season. That was Stafford's trademark for the last how many years, but this year in the clutch, they've really been bad. And I think part of that, a large part of that is Matt Patricia. Cause you look at him, he's fiery. He's, he's reactive. He's feisty. Jim Caldwell was very even keeled and level headed. 
And I think that's where you see a lot of this frustration within the offense and within the team as the, as a whole. I mean, we see, we've seen guys throwing helmets. We've seen guys getting into scuffles at, in yeah, practice had, and at the had, locker room. Talks about that, yeah, like Damon Harrison getting into a fight with people in, in right. practice. And, and, stuff. and yeah. everyone wants to make this out to be this person and that person's fault. But at the end of the day, I'm not a big fan of how Matt Patricia runs his fiery style and then turns around to be quiet with the media and act like he's an even-keeled guy. I mean, you got to pick one face or the other. With Jim Caldwell, you know what you're getting. And quite frankly, I like the way Jim Caldwell did it because not only did he bring an even-keeled mannering, which I think is so crucial to success in the NFL, but mm-hmm. more importantly, he brought mannerisms and and I think – dignified approaches and that's something that Matt Patricia so far has not seen not not shown and that's <laughs> concerns me I'm not a big fan of the guy personally but I don't think you're going to win that with many fans they they like that but I'm I'm kind of with you on that is that it does rub off on a team in some way or another and we've definitely seen a very ad- different attitude from this Lions team and it's just it's funny to me though how we go back and forth on that right because before mm-hmm. Caldwell it was Jim Schwartz and the problem with Jim Schwartz was what everyone was saying too is fiery, right. yeah, too fiery, can't get a control, can't get control on his team. You go to Caldwell and all of a sudden everyone's talking about, I want a guy who will yell at someone who will get people to fire up for him. And well, you yeah, have that, that I mean, Patricia, and how is that working out? Right. And that, that's not me. I mean, um, you no, know, you're definitely, it's, you're it's definitely, you are that... consistent with what you want. I, I, I'm just saying like, I'm talking yeah. about the general fan attitude. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just Patricia's style in general is is not me. And the way I see it is, I mean, the NFL, you see a game like, I mean, being up by several possessions or being down by several possessions, everyone thinks you're out of it. Um, but it's not over till it's over. The NFL is, I mean, you remember when we played the Saints, um, I, I think it was Stafford's nine comeback year in New Orleans. And uh, that was oh, that game crazy down game. Like yeah, yeah. Right, or 35-7 or something like that. And, I mean, that's a game where, I mean, it was, I think, early in the fourth quarter and it was within one possession or 10 points. And uh, no one thought we would come back in that, but barring like a pick six Stafford throws in his own end zone, that's, that becomes a a very close game, potentially a comeback win. And I think that's a testament to something like Jim Caldwell's even killed manner, where I don't think that happens or even has a chance of happening with Matt Patricia. Yeah, I, it's, it'll be interesting to see, but right now I think it's definitely a different mold. And it's something that I think, as the offseason progresses, is going to come more and more into focus. All right, let's take a quick break. Put put the kibosh on this. We're going to take some mailbag questions when we come back here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Chris Perfett and Hamza Bakush with you uh, on a light staffed edition here. Ho, ho, ho. The holidays are here. time hashtag ask pod as always to get your questions in when we are not having the hashtag co-opted by apparently some sort of uh (laughs) barcelona podcast which didn't seem to happen this time so uh before we begin we do have one hashtag ask pod as an early submission uh pitbull has put out a song ocean to ocean (laughs) featuring the aquaman soundtrack which cribs very heavily from uh, Toto Africa. 
with using using the uh, chorus and a lot of and the same beat to it, but it's Pitbull over top of it. Which uh, Hamza, I want your opinion on this because yeah, I think um, you and I were the only ones in the Slack chat who were okay with this. And yeah, I will not. We're, we're the tolerate we're the pro Pitbull people. <laughs> Do not slander Pitbull. He is Mister Worldwide. He represents the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm not. I don't have a problem with it. It seemed like everyone else was really triggered by it, but I don't have a problem with it. I'm cool with it. I think it's all fun. We have we have an axis here. Like, I mean, I'm I was totally against the Weezer cover because the Weezer cover was oh, bad. God. Yeah. This though, I mean, for first off, it's not even Africa. It's Ocean to Ocean. It's a different name right. of the song. And I get it. It's it's like using some of the remix, but it's like being mad at uh who was the person that they used on Eminem uh Stan uh was it Dido? Uh, thank you. Like no they idea. used the chorus from that. So I mean, whatever. I can't. I can't be mad but at, at him. The end of the day, I mean, this was for Aquaman, but it it seemed like it was almost half a joke the way that they made it. And I think it was all fun. And Pitbull seems like he's having fun as always. He's Let the man fun. live. He's, he's not doing dude, any the harm. guy. The guy goes to shows all over. He is literally Mr. Worldwide. He. I don't know many right. other guys who do shows in like Alaska in in Juneau, Alaska. Like he'll go yeah. wherever he wants. And also I will, uh, he has a lot of cred to spend because he also made timber with Kesha and timber is great. <laughs> and I will not hear any, any arguments. To the contrary timber is probably my favorite pop song of the last decade. That's definitely not as beloved to me as it is to you, but it, as a whole, <laughs> I think I've cut Pitbull a lot more slack than most people do. And I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I mean the guy's having fun with what he does. Let him live. He makes some bangers. He makes a lot of bangers, what he does. <laughs> he also apparently has very bewildering holiday <laughs> tweets, like his Memorial Day tweet. Oh, man, that was something. It was iconic. All right, let's get to the actual questions here. Thank you, by the way, to the people who brought that to our attention this week, including Paul Jarima on Twitter, who uh, was very quick to show us uh, Ocean Ocean. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, Troy Kilgore asking us, who do you guys play as in Super Smash Brothers? Hashtag ask POD. Hashtag nine and seven isn't good enough. Uh, so this is kind of a bad time to do it because only myself, Mansoor, and Alex have uh, switches. We've been playing a lot of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, though. Um, I well, will tell I'll you be happy to yeah. provide some input, though, because I grew up playing Melee and Brawl, so I'm not that out of the loop. Well, what what's your character then? Who what's what's oh, your what's me your name? is King DDD by far and away. That is my guy, King DDD. <laughs> I had a Diddy Kong phase as well, but you know I'm not your stereotypical Mario or or whoever you want to throw <laughs> at him. King DDD is my guy, and I will wreck anyone with him. Well, I'm I'm up there with you. I like the big brawlers because the guy I've picked up. I haven't played since the N64 days. I'll just reveal that oh, right boy. now. Like I did not. I didn't have anything. Like I had a little bit of. Uh, I had a little bit of of time with melee but i really didn't spend too much with it but since picking up ultimate i've gotten pretty good with uh, bowser and yeah, but, uh, i don't know i think bowser's a little bit too slow for my liking but well, they made him they King made him a little more a little more agility to him yeah they made him a little more reactive and not like they they really helped improve the, the heavy brawlers in ultimate over the previous smash I'm games i'm glad to hear it yeah, and like Incineroar has been pretty fun. I've been playing with him a little bit. He's kind of an interesting pick too. And yeah, those are about the main two for me. I'm trying to do like Peach and Pokemon Trainer and a little bit of Ganondorf. Oh, but yeah. what? 
you just can't. It's just a, it's going from a guy <laughs> like Bowser to someone like Peach. It's impossible. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm up to, I'm up for different things. Mansoor, I think he liked to play Falco, but he's talking himself out of it. He's playing a lot of different oh, characters. Oh, I don't right blame now. him. Melee, I lived and breathed by Falco. <laughs> well, I mean, as you know with Mansoor, all his big thing is always birds. So, yeah. yeah. All right, we should move on to some lions questions. Let's see which ones I have here. Um do 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 do. do. Uh, Mr. J asking us regretting Ebron now question mark question mark Toy Lolo runs like Boban and he gets a third and nine pass in the flat I just wanted <laughs> I just wanted to read that someone is comparing Toy Lolo to Boban really oh my god I that took me a second but yeah I, I want to hop on this one so no yeah, sure. I'm not regretting Eric Ebron Eric Ebron you obviously seem to disagree with me but Eric Ebron needed a change of scenery and I don't think it was um, uh, his own fault. I think it was because the fans in Detroit just treated him like trash and got into his head and would never let him live. And obviously that was just a very vocal, hopefully minority, but you see him in Indianapolis, he's doing so much better. And I mean, occasionally he has the drops, but it's not as bad as it was here. And I mean, there was a point he was trash talking fans on Twitter. I mean, even now he's, he's sent POD a few tweets here and there. Um, cause he's, I mean, he's obviously still got beef with the fans here, and it just didn't work out for him. It wasn't his place. I do think if it was any other team, the capacity in which Jim Bob Cooter was using him would have been great, but it Detroit just wasn't his place, and no, I'm not regretting it because it's like every other star player that Lions fans talk about. He just wouldn't be as good if used in our scheme. <laughs> okay, next question here is one I have from Greg G., what evidence is there to support that Stafford needs to stay beyond the 2019 season? Uh, I have one for you. Have you looked at his cap hit? Have you looked at his dead cap hit? <laughs> like you, you guys, y'all are married with him until at least 2021. Yep. I don't know what else to say. Like, yeah, I think part of the, the, the thing here is people saying they want Stafford gone, but my first year, I want, I want to make a quick comparison here. My first year playing fantasy football, I was probably in seventh grade. I had a great team. I think my like fourth or fifth round pick was Cam Newton, who, and that was his breakout year. The first year he was really good, was running all over, rushing for touchdowns. The last like 10 games of the season, he averaged 30-something points, which is, for those who don't play fantasy, outrageous. Um, by far best in the league. But come like week seven, week eight, I was sick of it I because he wasn't performing in the beginning of the season. I cut him. And by like week 10, I turned around and I realized, what have I done? Because someone picked him up and someone was having a fun time with Cam Newton. And guess who I was stuck with? Ryan Fitzpatrick, starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. And at that point, I told myself, why did I cut Cam Newton? And the answer was Cam Newton was not performing to my standards. But the question I should have asked myself was before cutting Cam Newton, who do I have if I cut Cam Newton? And it's the same deal here with Stafford. If you get rid of Stafford, what are you going to do? You really think Jake Rudock is going to win more than two games in a season with this team? You really think that you're just going to draft one quarterback in the first round or third round and just find the gem of the century? It's not going to happen. Stafford has taken a decade to develop and learn and become the quarterback that he is. And our very own Kyle Yost always says that Stafford has plateaued at around like QB 10 to 12 in this league. And I totally agree with him. But that's the thing. You have to be okay with that because you draft a quarterback, you sign a quarterback. Who are you going to bring in? Mark Sanchez? They're not going to be a top 25 quarterback in this league, no matter who you bring in. And it'll be years if you draft a good quarterback to become what they 
can be. And so I just think it's ridiculous, the calls for Stafford. And that's all I have to say about it. Fair enough. I like that. I like that. Let's see here. Um, we got something here from the ghost of Erickson's pass. Um, interesting username. Do you think this is hilarious? He links here an article from SB nation from the mothership with the headline of the Cowboys should fire offensive coordinator, Scott Linehan, while it still matters. I mean, not really. I don't like, I don't like anyone losing their job. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I don't like the idea of like, that is the one thing in all of sports, other than some very rank sexism that rears its ugly head a lot of the time and just various other ills of that sort. But one of the things that really bugs me about sports is the amount that we talk about wanting someone to lose their job. It seems very cruel, especially like in this day and age where people are really skirting by on it. Like, I get it. This is, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to say have sympathy for Scott Linehan. I, don't have much there to begin with and i don't think he's doing a great job but i just the the fury at which people want to talk about people losing their jobs kind of throws me for a loop every time like i know i know yeah, it's I not know. i mean I, I maybe i'm out there but like it, it just it, it it unnerves me a little bit i guess so like yeah i, yeah, I don't think he's very good and i don't and i don't care about the cowboys and you know maybe the cowboys will fall apart i don't care but like, I don't know if that if the headline can bring me joy is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I, I think you make some very good points there, especially about losing losing people's jobs. And I think that was the thing I noticed at the end of last season was everyone was calling for people's heads like it was nothing. Jim Caldwell, JBC, um, Terrell Austin. And it's just there, there comes a point where um, you have to separate your fandom from your humanity. And I mean, in terms of Scott Linehan, do I think he's the best fit for Dallas's offense? Absolutely not. He's made for a quarterback like Stafford to put up 5,000 and 35 touchdowns, even if it means 15 interceptions. He's not made for a ground and pound game with Zeke Elliott and, you know, play action and setups of that nature. But the the harsh reality is that for Dallas, as long as you're winning, changes will not be made. And um, that's just something they're going to have to deal with. And it may or may not be their downfall. But yeah, I don't like the like you said, the, the clamoring for people's jobs and when they don't give it a second thought. And I don't mm-hmm. think, I, I mean, I would understand it if Scott Linehan were to go. I honestly think that there are better options out there, but do I think that it's a move that will happen or should happen in season? Absolutely not. Claire asking us, Saquon Barkley keeps getting compared to Barry Sanders. Will the NFL ever compare Saquon to the Hall of Fame running back he actually looks like? OJ Simpson. Uh, I don't. I think that's I, interesting. I'm, 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 hmm. I don't I'm not know. Sure what that I, means, I've watched but, a little uh, bit of OJ, but not a lot. So I I can't speak particularly to it. But definitely, he's not Barry Sanders, and it really bothers me. He's shifty, but he's not Barry Sanders shifty. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't watch enough Barkley to really comment on this. Giants view has not been premier viewing on my television by any which means. I'm also yeah, way um, out of the mark for any of that stuff. But yeah. Yeah, my roommate's a Giants fan, so I see a lot of it. And it's, I mean, as best as I can describe it to you, he's got a lot of downhill speed, great acceleration, and he does a lot of juking. And I think that's what what brings people to to make that comparison rather than, you know, 
getting skinny through a hole as they call it he he kind of jukes his way in and out of holes um but the thing is i just don't see him making those cuts uh like he he jukes laterally so that he can run forward if you watch barry even just look up his best highlight tape on youtube it was he juked forward backward lateral i mean every angle of the 360 degree arc he he took care of and that's just not something i see saquon doing and uh it's I'm really tired of people making out rookies and, and people who haven't proven themselves to, to be compared to hall of famers. All right. Well, um, one, since you have, you mentioned you have a, a roommate who's a fan of uh, <laughs> New York giants. So maybe you can help on this question here from why not the lions? He says he needs advice. I moved to Chicago a couple of years ago. It wasn't bad because the bears suck, but this season has been too much. And my coworkers can't stop bringing up the Bears' success to me. What do I do? Um, so as for someone who's moved to a city with suddenly a, a lot of teams that have suddenly gotten really good in Los Angeles, um, all I'll say is just roll with it, man. I know they're a division rival, but just be happy for them. Don't really, uh, don't really begrieve them that, that them too much. Like, I mean, and I also, I also wouldn't laugh too much when they eventually downfall either. Like, I mean, I had, I had one, I had a few friends around here who were Dodgers fans and that was rough watching them go through some of that. And I wanted to say something as a Tigers fan. I just was like, you know what? Let them, let them have what they want. Let them have what they want. It's, it's fine. It's all, it's, it's sports at the end of the day. It's supposed to be fun. So like, I I would say like, yeah, I mean, let them know you're a Lions fan or something, but like if they invite you to like a viewing party or something, that's fine. That's a good social. You don't say no to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like go along with the spirit. I've, I've, haven't really gotten to go to any parades in Detroit, but I did on a whim go to the parade in Cleveland when the Cavaliers won their championship. Oh, wow. And that yeah, was probably I, the most insane experiences in my life. And all I will say is like, and yeah, being around here in LA when the Dodgers catch caught fire and everyone was really talking about them. And let me tell you the Rams, I mean, unless they fall apart here, completely fall apart more than they have here at the end of the season people will be excited about the Rams here come playoff time too. They weren't last year because it was kind of a, a shambling little mess by the end of it. But like I, I, when people are, you're in a town with playoff fever, like people really get caught up in it. Just, just be happy with them, I guess is my advice. Yeah. I got to go with you here. And I mean, go to all these bears parties and bears things and wear your lion's Jersey with pride. But I think everyone has that one team in the, in the division where they have that their soft spot for, for me, that's the Vikings, not the bears. But um, I think if if the bears are are your team, then go for it. Um, And I mean, just, just enjoy it. They're not doing you any harm. I mean, we didn't win the division, but we're not winning it anyway. Sorry guys. Um, Just as long as you're not rooting for the Packers, live your best life. Enjoy it. Make them. (laughs) Yikes, extra shade there at the end. Okay. Um sorry, I'm having something going on with my nose right here, right behind behind the curtain here. My nose is starting to wear thin as everything else starts to break down. Um let's see. I don't want to take another I got another quarterback question here. Do you think the Lions would be wise to take a quarterback and kind of like day two or three of the draft. But I mean, he Quinn, Quinn's been doing that nearly every draft though. So yeah, I, I think they should. Uh, Jake Rudock isn't winning you any. Anything. No, no, Just, I know. I know Jeremy likes to go to the mattress for him, but I'm yeah. Not and we have a lot of comp- compensatory picks coming in this year. I think lots of like day three extra picks. I wouldn't mind if the Lions did that. Okay. Uh, Joseph R. Sweeney five asking us, does anyone on the, podcast crew play dungeons and dragons 
Not me. Not to anything that I know of. Ooh, it has been a long... It's been about 10 years since I last played D&D, but I was a dungeon master. So I was coming up with everything. I mean, me, pretty much. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Jeremy might too. Actually, you know what, Jeremy? I, you know what? You'd think Jeremy would be into nerdy stuff, but he's really (laughs) not. All he cares about is like footballist stuff and like maybe Fortnite. (laughs) Uh, Ryan, I could see Ryan playing, but I also think Ryan is Ryan's a little more physical too. Like, I think, and I don't think LARPing would be something for him either. (laughs) He definitely, he's he's much more like he's probably out playing hockey somewhere right now with the weather in Michigan. So. South Detroit asking us, I recently signed up for Spotify. All my friends have used it for a long time. I just never felt the need to sign up, and now I enjoy it a lot. What is something that you finally tried after it had been popular for a really long time? Dude. So I, I was like actually... Things, but I got nothing. <laughs> I was about like three, four years late into the smartphone thing. I had I was holding out on my old flip phone until I finally got like a uh, a Motorola Droid, and that was interesting. I guess I don't know. I still haven't had like an i an iPhone though. I've always been Android using. Um, what else? What else? I mean, I can't think t- of anything tech. I was a nerd in, in growing up, so I'm I'm ahead of the curve yeah. with tech. I I don't know what else there is. Well, what about? I mean. I could. I was a picky eater when I was young. I don't want to make food count. Yeah. Uh, any other trends or anything like that? I can't think of too much other than that. I mean, the best thing I can come up with is growing up. I was not a big NBA guy. Like I remember, um, first time the when the Mavs played the Heat in the finals and LeBron choked and whatever. I remember that was a talk of the school um, that whole week or two. And um, everyone's talking about LeBron James and Dirk Nowitzki. Literally the only people I knew were Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I didn't know any other (laughs) basketball player. And it probably wasn't until like eighth grade that I got into basketball. And I just kind of hopped on the LeBron bandwagon. I watch Pistons now and then when I'm bored. So, I mean, I didn't really care much for it till much later than I should have. This is going to sound bad, but I'm kind of with you there, but only, but with like all sports, I, I was a late bloomer into liking sports. Oh um, yeah. I mean, that like was... when I was eight years old, I, I liked basketball. I, I had seen um, Joe Dumars and Grant Hill. I got to see them at the palace and like, I re- I liked the Pistons a little bit growing up, but I wasn't really like following sports or any of that stuff. And then I started to really get back into basketball, like my senior year in high school, because we had a good basketball team and the Pistons were in their Oh four season when I was in the, when I was a senior as well. And then I, then I went to like wake forest for my first, first college and Chris Paul was playing there. So I got into, oh, wow. into basketball. But then after that, like I kind of petered off again. And then it took me about a year or two after that, before I got back into football. So like, yeah, I have to slide in a quick backstory here then um, growing up. So my mom was a lone lions fan in our direct family. My dad didn't really care for the lions and, my brothers and I just didn't much. So um, eventually, I mean, I was like second, third grade, and I would make fun of her because the Lions were losing and they couldn't win any <laughs> games. And then I think it was the the two and fourteen season immediately after the the zero um, and sixteen season. She took me to my first game. I didn't want to go. She made me go, and I just fell in love with the game of football. So, mom, if you're still listening, thank you again for taking me, and I can't wait till we get Isn't to like that sweet. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. Now it's our it's our annual tradition. My mom and I go every week, every year to one game. 
A Smith 55, if the Lions were a sad Christmas present, who would be the socks and underwear combo? What? What? Oh, I um, so that like going at first, but I'm, he's just I'm giving, go okay, well. let's let me rephrase this for him. So what sad Christmas present are the Lions? Hmm. That is a hmm. Hmm. I think that's a question you think over and go back to your next podcast. I like the question, but it takes some thinking. Well, why don't we just leave it here and tell Jeremy, Ryan, you guys have a week. Come up with something and get back to us. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you, Star Side. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.